Got an interesting thing I want to talk to you about today, and there's a reason for it. I um, want to read something to you that I got in the, the mail, because there's a lot of people that go to a lot of churches, hear a lot of preachers, and they're not sure that they're really saved, not sure of going to heaven. Though they, they play the game, they do all the things they're told to do, but still don't have that confidence that they're positive they're going to heaven. Now, let me just ask you a question. I want you to be honest with me. Since the day you heard and supposedly trusted Christ as your Savior, have you ever had any questions or doubts about really being saved and you had some doubts about it and so you would uh, try to reestablish it or reaffirm it in some way? Have you ever had any questions or doubt about your salvation? Let me see your hand. I have. I've had it a lot of times. All right. Some of you have. But whenever you go and you hear and you say, okay, I got saved. But then, okay, where are you going when you die? Well, well I'm not sure. But they say, well, I know I'm saved, but I'm not sure I have eternal life. Well, are you married? Yes, I am. Do you have a wife? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you would think if you were married, you're supposed to have a wife. He that believeth on me hath, present in hath, what? Everlasting. everlasting life. So if you believe it, you should have what? If you can't say you have everlasting life, it's because you don't believe it. But if you believe it, you've got everlasting life. This person wrote me this email, and that was just in the last week, I believe it was. It says, I am a deaf male Christian man from Arizona. I was once a Tennessee Temple University student and a member of Highland Park Baptist Church under Dr. Lee Robertson. This kind of pricked my mind because I was also at Tennessee Temple, and I went to Tennessee Temple School back in 1964. He says, I never had fully assurance of eternal salvation because I listened to many preachers who preach repent from sin gospel. Ironically, they claim to be saved by grace alone. I was deeply troubled spiritually many years and left that denomination in mid-May of 1999 after 20 years as an independent fundamental Baptist member. Many years later, I searched on Google to search for free grace gospel and found expreacherman.com on December 2013. Ex-preacher man was a guy named Jack Weaver. I used to work for Jack Weaver. And he wound up going to Florida Bible College And uh, when I went to work for him because he had to defend me because people were calling him and he didn't have answers on why I was doing what I was doing. So he goes to Florida Bible College and he became a pastor. So he was ex-preacher man. He said, I read and studied and agreed with many articles by Jack Weaver now the administrator of expreacherman.com. Now Jack has passed on. Now I have assurance of eternal security. I do believe grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ as Savior alone. For getting eternal life is a free gift, excluding repent of or from sins. I also studied comparisons of between justification and sanctification. I could not find any church that believes in free grace gospel in Phoenix metro area for me. No deaf pastor who is free grace gospel believer nor sign language interpreter is known across America. That is why I'm not able to attend church services here. I had heard of your name since reading nextpreacherman.com. And he says, I know the rapture is occurring any time. I thank the Lord Jesus for sending few preachers who preach and defend truth of the free grace gospel and warn us against dangers of lordship salvation. You'd be surprised how many of these I get. 
I get at least one a day, that some people are having a lot of problems about the security of the believer. Can you really know you're secure? And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I have here a picture of Hank Lindstrom. He was the pastor here for 42 years. I met him in 1964. He went to Florida Bible College, and that's where I met him. And he has here, eternal security is not a separate doctrine from that of eternal life or eternal salvation. It is one and the same. In fact, the only salvation God offers to mankind is eternal, Dr. Hank Lindstrom. So the pastor that was here for 42 years, this is what he believed, and this is what he taught. That when you trust Christ as Savior, you have eternal security. And so eternal security is the gospel. It's the truth of the gospel. If you're not eternally secure, then you can't be secure. Also in the doctrinal statement of the Florida Bible College, and also of Calvary Community Church, and of the Florida Bible College of Tampa that we have here, we have in the section, eternal security. We believe that once a person becomes a child of God by faith in Christ, he is always a child of God. A person is either saved forever or not saved at all. Eternal security is not a separate doctrine from salvation. It is salvation. Once a person is saved, he can never lose his salvation in any way or for any reason. And then we have another section that's called the evidence of salvation. We believe the only evidence of salvation is revealed in whom a person is trusting to get him to heaven. We believe it is heresy to teach that a person can know he is saved or lost because of his behavior. Or for others to believe a person is saved or lost because of his behavior. That's what produces fruit inspectors. And they try to determine whether or not somebody's saved or lost because of what they said or they do. You cannot determine whether a man is saved or lost by anything he says or does. Except by what does he trust in to get him to heaven. Now, also in the personal evangelism handbook used by the Florida Bible College in 1962 that was founded by Dr. A. Ray Stanford. And all the graduates heard or taught the same thing. What we teach here, eternal security is not a separate doctrine from salvation. If you're not saved forever, you're not saved. Those who think they are saved now but could lose their salvation later are trusting to some degree in their works to save them. Because if you really understand the truth of the gospel, then you should also understand you cannot lose it. There's no way to lose it. It's impossible to lose it if you ever have it. I believe you can know you have eternal life. And I believe you can be sure of eternal life. So the statement that's written here in the title of today's message is, Can a Christian have absolute assurance of eternal security? Because if you're not eternally secure, you're not secure. Look at the notes down here. How do we go from I know I'm saved to I'm not sure I'm saved anymore? Because many people at times will have questions and doubts. How do I really know I'm saved? So generally there's something they're looking at trying to determine whether or not did I really mean business. Don't worry about you meaning business. God meant business. He's the one that said, if you trust him, he will save you. So my being saved depends on him, not me. I am not trying to do anything to save myself. I'm trusting him, and he saves me. He's the one that's got to keep me. Not me keep me. He's going to keep me. And that's good news. But look at the first question here. You cannot have assurance without eternal security. 
being eternally secure. Absolute confidence. Number one, what was the cause of our initial assurance of salvation? Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to Romans in chapter 10. Romans in chapter 10. This is why a lot of people will have a lot of questions and doubts later. And you may come across some people, and you might need to know how you could best answer them. Remember, every time you learn some truth in God's word, use it for God's honor and glory. There's people who don't have that assurance that you may have. And you want to be a help, a blessing to people. So you look here in Romans in chapter 10. And look what it says in verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So it's the believing that gives you God's righteousness. It's with the mouth that the gospel is heard. Because the question comes up as, how are you going to hear and understand this? See there in verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So we preach the word with our mouth. Then you look there where he says in uh, verse 17, so then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we use our mouth to confess what Christ did. It's the believing that gives you God's righteousness. See there in verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Confessing your sin is not what gives you salvation. It's the believing. And if you'll believe it, you can have everlasting life. You can be saved. But remember this, to call upon the Lord. See down in verse 13, call, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But calling upon the Lord is simply a response to what God did. God calls us through the gospel. So when you heard the gospel, your call is a simply, it's a response, I believe it. It can be a mental thing, I believe that what the gospel says and what it means, I believe that. And God will save every person who believes it. But how can people preach the gospel unless they're sent? So it's people are sent to preach the gospel and you can hear the gospel and trust Christ as your Savior. And so down below, he makes a statement in verse 14. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall, in other words, you've got to hear it in order to believe it and to respond and say, yes, I believe that. That makes sense to me. So in your mind mentally, you have to come to the conclusion, I believe it. That is a response back to the Lord because God says in the book of 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse 14, they heard the word of the gospel through my gospel. They heard through my gospel. How does God call? By the gospel. You have to have a response. I believe that. That's why he says, for whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You hear, you understand, believe it. But now notice. Look there in Revelation chapter 3. But whenever you think that this is what i got to do, i got to confess Christ with my mouth in order to be saved. Okay, well, how many times do you have to confess Christ with your mouth to be saved? And what if you're on an island and you simply got the Bible and there's nobody to witness to? Okay, now you can't be saved. Well, what if you're a mutant you can't talk? Okay, you can't get saved because you didn't confess. It leads to complication. And that's why some preachers will have people come forward in the church so they can confess Christ before others. Okay, what if you didn't go to church? Well, you've got to go to church then, so you can go down to the front and you can confess it. It leads to questions and doubts because it means that something you have to do. Anything that you have to do, you're not sure you did it right. If you had to give money, how much? Who to? Us. No. But it leads to questions and how much would you have to give and all that. Stay away from that junk. 
Do you have to go to church to go to heaven? No. Do you have to give money? Yes. No. You don't have to give money. You do not have to join anything. Salvation is a gift. It is free. And that's what God said. Now look in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And this is one where a lot of people have experienced this or maybe have shared with someone uh, the gospel and tell them this is what you have to do. And so they say, hey, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. And if you'll open, he'll come in. That sounds simple. All I got to do is open the door. We had a little kid. Broke down and started bawling because he says, I don't know how to undo the latch. A teacher simply said, the latch is on the inside and you have to undo the latch because the door is locked and Jesus can't get in. But if you undo the door, he can come in. Now, see, that might sound pretty and sweet, so spiritual, but it's slop. That's not the Bible. That leads to confusion. I had one time these two little girls, they were walking down the dusty road there in Bell Glades, Florida, and I was with Dr. Hank Linson. We went up there to do some work with the Micah camp. And Hank said, get everybody we can to come to the meeting. So I'm looking at these two victims coming down the road. And they came up, and I stopped, and I says, uh, and I talked to them a little bit. And I says, uh, do y'all want to go to heaven? Yes, they want to go to heaven. I says, will you ask Jesus to come into your heart? I said, will you do that? Yeah, yes. I didn't know how to do it. I said, go ahead. So they bowed their heads, standing there, there in the hot sun. And then they looked up at me. I says, uh, did you ask Jesus to come in? They said, uh-huh. I said, did he come in? They said, yeah. I said, how do you know? I feel it right here. I thought, Yankee, you're missing something. I ain't never felt it right here. Now, if I'd have asked them five minutes later, where are you going to go when you die? They wouldn't have a clue. I never told them how to go to heaven. I never told them how to escape hell. You see, Jesus doesn't indwell you until you trust him as your Savior. You can ask for the results, but you don't get the results until you believe that what he did on the cross, he did it for you, and you're accepting him as your Savior. You're trusting him to save you. Salvation is not a commitment to serve. Salvation is a decision to trust. I decided I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven. It wasn't a decision i got to serve the Lord. Because then if I don't serve the Lord, then I doubt my salvation. So there's a lot of people that realize I'm not serving God like I promised. Or they committed as we have done here. I went forward, I was baptized. Baptism has nothing to, because I've asked people, where are you going to go to? Well, I've been baptized. That's not what I ask. Baptism has nothing to do with you saving you. That's not why you're saved. So you have a reason to question and doubt your salvation. I went forward in the church. Going forward in the church. Where do you find the Bible verse that says, if I go forward in a church, I'll go to heaven? That won't work. But it leads to questions and doubts. And a lot of people have that. I promise to turn from my sin. Because a preacher will stand up and say, you have to turn from your sins. Are you willing to be made willing? On the pound of pulpit. No, weak point here. Pound pulpit. So is that what you've got to do? If you had to turn from your sins, okay, which ones? Just the big ones. Well, what about the little ones? That means you have to turn from all your sins. Try it. How you doing? He said, I turn from all of my sins. Let me talk to your wife. Let me talk to your kids. You got problems. But you'll find out as time goes, okay, I find out I haven't turned from all my sins. I still have wrong thoughts. I still do wrong things. I still get angry. And I still get bitter. And so I got every reason to doubt my salvation because, see, I didn't turn from all of my sins. Well, you've got to make Christ the Lord and the master of your life. 
That means you're promising to serve him. So repent of sin means stop being bad and committing your life to Christ means I promise to be good. So many people think they got to go to heaven because I got to stop being bad and I got to start being good, make him the Lord and master of my life. That means service. So if you don't serve, you have every reason to question, doubt your salvation. So you don't have security because you see you're trusting the wrong thing and that will not save. Look at number two. Why did you get saved? Okay, here I am. I'm saved. And a lot of people are going around and they're preaching all over the place. And their main thing is, don't you want to have fellowship with God? Don't you want to have a relationship with God? Well, you know, my life is empty. And I have to have a better purpose of something to live for. That has nothing to do with salvation. Because afterwards, see, if you find out, okay, I don't have this wonderful relationship with God. And I'm not in fellowship with God. I'm not walking with God. And my life is still empty. And my life is still miserable. Something didn't work. Well, you're trusting the wrong thing. You committed to something that has nothing to do with going to heaven or hell. Number three, none of the above reasons are the real reason to get saved. Now, let me tell you why you should get saved. Let's just go back in time a little bit. To the day when Yankee Arnold was only 18 years old, and a man was sitting with me in the living room, and he explained to me that if I don't trust Christ as my Savior, I'm going to hell. I told somebody one time, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior because I wanted fire insurance. I wanted fire insurance. Why? I don't want to go to hell. That's why I needed a Savior. Because I was going to hell to pay for my sins. And I don't want to pay for my sins. And I don't want to go to hell. That's why I need a Savior. So I need to understand what do I have to do to escape hell. My fellowship with God and my relationship with God. Put that aside. That has nothing to do with it. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven when I die. And after I trust Christ as my Savior, yes, I can learn the Word of God and I can walk with God and have fellowship with God. And I can have a relationship with God. All those wonderful things. But if I don't trust Christ as my Savior, there is no relationship with God. You see, you have to have the birth in order to have the relationship. I told my daughter, I said, you're my daughter because you are born in my family and that's our relationship. So the birth determines your relationship and it's your Walk that determines your fellowship. And if you walk with the Lord in the same direction, you can have fellowship with God according to your walk, 1 John chapter 1. But if you don't have the walk, you won't have the fellowship and you can break the walk. God never breaks the walk. It's you did that. And if you confessing your sin does not restore the walk. Confessing your sin so that you can continue the walk. You have to restore the walk with God. And if you don't restore that walk, you won't have fellowship with God. So I decided I am going to, I want to have fellowship with God. I want to walk with God. And I make that decision. God never broken it off with me. But you can break it. But if you think that's what gives you salvation, then you have every reason to have questions and doubts. Well, I don't know if I'm saved because I'm not walking with God anymore. I, I don't go to church anymore. And I don't pray. I don't give money to the Lord's work anymore. And I don't do none of that stuff anymore. And I went back to drinking and chewing and going with the girls who do. That is the wrong basis for salvation. I want to know how can I be assured of not going to hell? And remember this. You can't know you're going to heaven until you know you can't go to hell. You know how I know I'm going to heaven? Because I can't go to hell. So how come you can't go to hell? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Look at the next page. Page two, top of the page. Having a relationship, fellowship, or a walk with God doesn't explain how to escape hell and go to heaven. 
It's pretty, but it's ineffective. That's not why I talk to people. I don't want you to have a good, wonderful walk with God. But if I don't tell you how to get saved, you're not going to have no wonderful walk with God. You're not going to have any relationship with God. Am I against having a written? No, I'm not. I want people to listen to what I do say. Don't read into it. Number four, none of the above reasons explains on how to get saved. You may have an imaginary walk, fellowship, relationship with God without being saved. You can be saved and not have fellowship with God. Can you trust Christ as your Savior, have eternal life, and not have a wonderful fellowship with God? Yes, you can. You can trust Christ as your Savior and never walk with God. And based upon what God said and what he did, you can still go to heaven without being close to the Lord, without loving God. See, I'm not going to heaven because I love God. I'm going to heaven because he loved me. But I want the world to know that I love the Lord, so therefore I want to walk with God. Look at the next statement. When your walk, fellowship, or relationship is not what it should be, and the emptiness is still there, it will be normal to doubt your salvation. That's because these things depend upon you and not the Lord. Your relationship with God depends on you, and your fellowship depends on you, and your walk depends on you. That depends on you. So your salvation depends upon you, not what God said and did. That's why people have questions and doubts about security of their salvation. They're not assured. And I've had people come along and they say, well, we didn't have anybody trust the Lord tonight, but I gave them assurance. And that can be good. You can't give assurance to anybody until they believe in eternal security. You don't believe in eternal security, you cannot have assurance. That means you have to be secure forever. And it can't change. If it can change, you can't be eternally secure. And you'll never have the peace of mind about where you're going to go when you die. For sure. I can't go to hell if I tried. I haven't tried. But I know I have eternal life. I know God can't undo it. I know every person I ever lead to Christ, it can't be undone. And that is so wonderful to know. But all these years, I've been teaching and preaching. You can know you have eternal life. You can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Every time I give the gospel, I always teach that. Because, see, eternal security, that's the purpose of sharing the gospel so that you can be sure of going to heaven. And that's the only way you really believe that it was by grace, Christ alone, faith alone, is because it's eternal. If it's not eternal, then how long was it good for? How long was it good for? Well, I'm saved for how long? Did you sin again? What good is that? No, you got to go by what the book says. Look at number five. Salvation depends upon us believing who Christ is. He's the Lord. What he did, he died upon the cross to pay for my sins. What he said, he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. So you want to go to heaven when you die? Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. You ever hear me say that? He's God in the flesh. That's who he is. Well, what did he do? He took all of my sins and paid for them on the cross and came back from the dead. Well, what am I supposed to do about that? He said, he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. The only thing he wanted me to do is believe he did it for me. That's all I had to believe. I believe he did it for me. And I'm accepting him as my savior. I'm trusting him to take me to heaven because he paid for my sins. There is no other way. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. Now, see, you may already be very secure, and you know you have eternal life, 
But do you know how to explain it to somebody who has questions and doubts? Anytime I talk to somebody and they're not sure they're saved. Well, I was saved 10 years ago, but I'm not sure anymore. I deal with them like a lost person. I don't try to convince them that they were saved because I don't know if they were or not. I give them the gospel as though they never heard it before. And I want you to, from this point on, do you understand what I'm saying? And if you all trust Christ right now as your Savior, God gives you right now eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Now look here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and look in verse 17. Understand a few words here. Later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have the resurrection chapter. But in the resurrection chapter and verse 3, it says Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. That's the cross. That's the message of the cross. What did he do on the cross? Died for my sins. So I can say Christ died on the cross for my sins, or I can say Christ died for my sins. I don't have to put the word cross in there, but it's understood. So there's no power in the cross word itself without understanding. A lot of people died on the cross, but Jesus came back from the dead. Now here in 1 Corinthians in verse 17, chapter 1, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the, what's that word? The gospel. Now get this. Not with wisdom of words, lest the what? Cross of Christ. Can you connect the gospel and the cross together? I think so. Because you don't have any good news without the cross. And if I'm going to preach the cross, I have to preach this good news. Christ died for me. And I wonder, now why did he die for me? So I wouldn't have to pay for my sins. He did it for me. Best news I ever heard in the world. Now look in verse 18. For the preaching of the what? Cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's because of what Christ did on the cross that gives it power. He paid for my sins. If he didn't pay for my sins, then I don't have a payment for my sins. I have no way to escape hell. But there's power in this message. Now, take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. Chapter 15. Chapter 15, and you'll notice this simple little verse. You'll notice there in verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. That's the cross. It don't have to say the word, but that phrase is talking about what Christ did on the cross. That's why there's no gospel without the cross. There's no gospel, good news, without Christ paying for my sins. What made it good news was God was going to justify the heathen through faith. And that's the promise that he made to Abraham. The just shall live by faith. So Christ had to die so that God the Father could keep his word that he promised to Abraham. That God would justify the heathen by faith alone. Faith in what Christ did for us. It's not what we do. So people who have questions and doubts about their salvation mainly boils down to they were trusting in their works for some reason. There's only a couple things you have to know to understand that you have security in what Christ did on the cross for you.